Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Charlotte. Our pronouns are she slash her. This is Demuth Turns the Page. Our special episodes where we'll take to the skies. We'll have that life-changing adventure. And we talk to our amazing guest, Anissa Marufu, about their debut novel, The Balloon Thief. Welcome, Anissa. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to get into The Balloon Thief out here in the UK or Rebel of Fire and Flight in the US. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me today. For Khadija, the only escape from her father's arranged betrothal is the sky. When she spots a rogue hot air balloon fighting against its ropes, she leaps at the chance for adventure. Khadija soon finds an unlikely ally in a poor glassmaker's apprentice, Jacob. But Jacob is a Hari, and Khadija a Gadean. The Hari are oppressed and restless. Their infamous terrorist group, the Harif, have a new fearsome leader, and the ruling Gadeans are brutal in their repression. Soon, a deadly revolution threatens their friendship and their world. The Harif use forbidden magic, summoning jinn, wicked spirits made of fire, to enact their revenge, forcing Jacob and Khadija to choose what kind of world they want to save. The books were marketed as a book for fans of Noughts and Crosses by Mallory Blackman, and it reminded me of that in so many good ways, but it also brought its own uniqueness in the world that you created, and we love the book, so thank you. And before we get started, please, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I started writing probably in my final year of university, just as kind of something to do in the background, really, whilst I was studying. Um, I didn't really think it would kind of, I'd pursue it seriously as a career, but I just kind of saw a competition called the um, Kimberly Chambers Writing Competition for underrepresented writers. And I just thought, I've got three chapters, I've got a synopsis, why don't I just kind of submit it and see where it goes? And that's kind of how it spiralled into the balloon thief and um, it literally just published this year in March so it's been about I'd say probably a four-year journey from first writing it to now seeing it published so yeah it's been very surreal but no it's been it's been amazing. What kinds of books do you like to read? Um, Fantasy has always been kind of the genre that I always kind of go to I do kind of like pick and mix other types of genres but teen fantasy I think that is the genre that made me fall in love with reading so I always think of books like Aragon or the Inkheart series or Harry Potter those are kind of the stories that I always grew up with and that's always what kind of made me want to write I guess. Do you think this is the kind of book that you would have wanted to read when you were younger? Definitely I kind of always wanted books that I could see maybe parts of myself represented in them so for me, it was always important maybe writing a book with diverse characters or characters that are kind of underrepresented in mainstream publishing. So that is probably why I wanted to write The Balloon Thief and kind of base it on South Asian culture, have a character wearing a hijab, have kind of like a Muslim heroine. That's maybe something you don't tend to see, especially in like fantasy. Um, so I imagine that is something I definitely would have been into it when I was a teenager. We first discovered this book on a BuzzFeed list of books in 2022 that you should read by South Asian authors, which must be awesome for you to, in quite a crowded young adult market, getting some hype before it comes out. Definitely. I think that is probably what makes the build up to publication so exciting is when you see it kind of featured in the bookseller, featured in BuzzFeed, or you see it kind of early readers are posting reviews and that's what really kind of hypes you up about publication so it's been a very exciting couple of months definitely. 
I'm obsessed with talking about covers of books and I love the UK cover of the book so much. So sort of looking at the cover, the gold details on the book make me really think of that sort of Asian culture and the sort yeah. of richness. And I really like the fact that of all of the characters in the book, the only one you can see is Khadija and she is wearing a hijab. So mm -hmm. you know exactly who she is. And we have two, uh, I'll say two main male white characters and they're nowhere to be seen on the cover is literally just Khadija. I think that's fantastic. And it's all about the dark purple again. It just adds such a richness to the cover and it just, it, it stands out so much. Yeah, I'm really happy with how they kind of designed it, especially like the, um, even the ca the chapter headings on the inside of the book and the kind of end papers and stuff. They got, um, I think it was Catherine Rowe who designed all the kind of the cover and the internal artwork. And I think they just did a really good job. I'm really pleased with it. It's so representative of that sort of culture. One quick question, the eye, is that supposed to rep represent the amulets? Yeah, so in the book, they kind of draw, they draw like the evil eye and that's mm. kind of what's presented on the cover, yeah. I figured that it might be. I wanted to double check. I have the Kindle version, so I don't get some of the colours, but yeah, some of the detail in there is very, with the skies and, and the balloon, very interesting. Oh, thank you. Before we get into the book, obviously it's The Balloon Thief in the UK, and oh, we already said, I can't, I've already forgotten what the US title is. Rebel of Fire and Flight. Yeah. Yes. Are there any other title changes in any other countries that people need to be aware of? No. So obviously in, when it's been translated, obviously it will have a translated mm. title. But um, yeah, for the UK, The Balloon Thief and the US, Rebel of Fire and Flight. One thing that I think is so powerful about the book is it's the same thing that I thought about Noughts and Crosses as well. And it's how you make people really think. So as a white woman, I'm obviously not as privileged as a white man, but reading The Balloon Thief, it really sort of showed me how privileged I actually am because that twist in positions, same thing that Norton Crosses does, it's really, really quite shocking. And it puts you, as a reader, it puts you in a position that you're not really used to because as you said, it's, these kind of characters like Khadija are very underrepresented in fantasy. So I'm quite curious about the reaction that you've had to your book from people who identify with different cultures that you represent. I think so far it's been very positive. I think people have found it definitely eye-opening. I always describe it as a book that may make some people feel uncomfortable. There's definitely scenes, even when I was writing, I feel, oh, I feel a bit uncomfortable writing this. It feels a bit almost a bit taboo but at the same time it opens up the doors for those types of conversations about race about privilege about inequality and I think that's something that everyone in some sense can relate to whether it's happened to themselves it's happened to a friend a family member or they've just observed it in everyday life it's something that people are aware of and they want to read about so I think yeah people have been altogether very positive is the story of Princess Malika real or based on another story? Because it's a recurring theme throughout the book. Um, she is, I say, a work of fiction. Um, I think I wanted to kind of play on the trope of the, the princess being kind of kidnapped and trained to be a warrior, but then the spin is that actually she prefers that to the life of a princess. I think it was something that 
I wanted to just kind of um, focus on, and I thought that it would be quite nice to include into the the history of that of that fantasy world. Yeah, and I'm guessing the book is set after a sort of failed European colonization attempt. Is the book set in a sort of real time and place, or have you own have you created your own little space for the world to be in? So it is kind of loosely based on. I say real world in the sense of the real world issues that it discusses, but I really wanted to make it clear that it was a fantasy world. I think that kind of gave me a little bit more creative freedom. So I wasn't kind of restricted by historical accuracy or cultural accuracy in that sense. And then that allowed me to explore those themes a bit deeper. I could really kind of play with the whole idea of the, the two races, the inequality, that kind of years of, anger um, and how that's kind of now reached a boiling point in their society so I think if I'd maybe based it a bit more on real life then you've got to kind of make sure things are accurate Mm -hmm. you've got to make sure certain cultures are portrayed in a certain way so I think I wanted maybe to keep it more fantasy and that allowed more creative freedom. I really loved how vivid and descriptive the book was with colours as well there's so many descriptions of the sky and like from early on and I think it really subconsciously makes us think about the sky and be aware of it as a kind of presence in the book. One of the characters is an apprentice glassblower and there's great detail of the process that he goes through in the book. Is this something you had an interest in or did you research glassblowing for the book? I mean I've always been quite like an artsy-fartsy type of person so I've always been into those kind of um those long lost techniques that people don't tend to see nowadays. So that kind of traditional glass blowing has always been quite interesting to me. And then the whole idea of gin being trapped in glass. So glass is a material that's very kind of, it's very significant in this fantasy world. So I wanted just maybe to portray that, oh, actually Jacob could maybe be a glass blower. It kind of suits his character and it suits the plot of the book as the book evolves. so I just had to do a lot of research into glass blowing, watch a lot of kind of YouTube videos, and I just really kind of came fascinated with it. And are the Harif and later on the Wazim based on anything, any groups, people? Not specifically any groups, um, but they're just kind of opposite ends of, I guess, the same movement. So they're both rebel groups. They both kind of want to see Hari people treated better and with kind of more rights than they currently have, but they both go about it in completely different ways. So the Wazim is very on the end of kind of non-violence, peaceful protests, um, kind of negotiating with political leaders and kind of creating more equality between the two races. Whereas the Harif is very much fueled by kind of anger and all those kind of years of struggle and they've kind of almost take it to an extreme and they kind of want to see violence they want to see the kind of destruction of society and they want to see Gardaian people suppressed almost as a kind of like a a revenge for how they've been treated all these years so it's two opposite ends of the same movement I would describe which is something that you see replicated throughout history all over the world really yeah This is the point of the episode where if you haven't read the book, but now you really want to, you should stop listening, come back and finish the episode when you finish the book, as we're now going to be asking questions that involve important plot points and the ending. I really want to talk about the 
or what I perceived as naivety of Jacob. He trusts William. I mean, kind of. He acknowledges risks in what William is doing, but he does ultimately go along and he does what William wants. And then he seems he seems all too willing to trust Vera. So I do feel like there's such a willingness to trust who he sees as his own kind. And I was so willing for him to believe that the Wazim were actually a force for good. It was a frustrating thing about his character. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think his um, naivety is something that, obviously, he's only 15, so it's something that a lot of teenagers are going to relate to at that age. Um, and that like, he kind of, he wants to find a group of people that he can belong to. And he wants that kind of that sense of family. And that's something, that I guess, that the Harif appear to offer him. And that's something that they really prey on his loneliness. Um, and that's maybe something how a lot of people get radicalised in that same way, that it's the loneliness, it's that wanting to be part of a movement of some kind. And that's really what propels him throughout the story, yeah. Having some strong trans representation in your book was fantastic. And Anam was a great character who was strong and took no one's nonsense. Was it important for you to, to represent Anam in this way? I think the interesting about Anam is that she just kind of evolved on her own. So she wasn't actually in a lot of the earlier drafts. It was only as my editor was kind of fine-tuning the the book that she said, oh, we need some strong supporting characters. And that's kind of how Anam just evolved on her own. And she became this incredible character that I kind of was like, oh, I want her to really be like a main character and really drive the plot. And she ended up doing exactly that. So she just became this amazing person on her own, really. <laughs> so, yeah. I quite liked the fact that there wasn't a big fuss made about her being trans. It's just, she just is. And everyone just accepts it so willingly. And it's it's quite refreshing to just see that it's it's just almost normal. Yeah, I think the book always centers on inequality as a just as a main theme throughout the story. So I wanted to really include different types of representation and show, I guess, how people interact with each other. It's something that's always just kind of interested me. And yes, yeah, she just kind of became her own as the story unfolded. Well, talking about showing different types of, of people, Darian's backstory about his sister was quite interesting as well and how she doesn't fit into either world. And I think that's probably something that is quite easy to be felt. You're too much of this kind of person, but you're not enough of the right kind of person or what people perceive as the right kind of person. And I think this does sort of add to Darian being a much more open-minded character compared to Jacob or for you would he have always been that way I guess I always imagined him as being more open-minded than Jacob Jacob was always brought and even Khadija they were both brought up in very segregated upbringings Jacob only really kind of integrated with his own group of people similarly Khadija only kind of integrated with her own family her own kind of small bubble and that's why when both characters eventually do meet, it's a very kind of eye-opening experience. Whereas Darian has always kind of been intermixed with different types of people. And that's probably why he accepts the Wazim so much easier for him. So I think I just wanted to show how upbringing can really, um, really kind of affect people's understanding of each other and how open-minded they are and how 
mixing and integrating really does change people's perceptions of the world. One thing that we both really liked was the ending. There's almost an expectation that Khadija would have chosen Darian as a husband, but she doesn't. Did you consider the alternative that she would have chosen a husband instead of the freedom of the balloon? Um, not really. I don't think it would have suited her character. I think for her, it's always been about that kind of freedom of exploring and traveling the world. And in that sense, it wasn't marriage that would have been that for her. It's always been that kind of idea of flight and the hot air balloons. So even though there is a romantic element within the book, it's not the main focus. And I didn't want that to be the main focus at the end either. Throughout the story, there are references to Queen Modsma. Is this a pre-existing story and a character or did you create her? So Queen Mazma actually is based on Islamic and Persian folklore. So she is like a Jinnia queen who is kind of rules the desert and she's seen as like this warrior queen. So I kind of built on that story, kind of made her this queen of female warriors and that kind of whole idea of her kidnapping, kidnapping um, Princess Malika and training her to be a warrior. I kind of really wanted to show this strong female character within Queen's Mars and I've always been fascinated by those kind of folk tales about gin and things like that so she kind of yeah evolved as that. One of the characters that is captured by the Harif and freed by Khadija <clears throat> is uh, mythical Peri which I googled and I saw that they're Persian mythological creatures so apart from that and what you just said were there any other elements of mythology that inspired you? So the whole idea of jinn is definitely something I've been influenced by. So that's very kind of Islamic um, folk tales, Islamic kind of mythology of jinn being these kind of these beings that are neither, they can either be good or evil. And they're kind of invisible to the human eye. They live in kind of this unseen realm and they can kind of interact with humans and interact with our world. So I, that's something I just kind of wanted to I guess explore we always see these especially like tales of like Aladdin and the genie and Jin being able to kind of grant wishes um it's something that I thought would suit fantasy I think nowadays you see a lot of fantasy books but they're always kind of focusing maybe more on European mythology kind of dragons and dwarves and elves and I wanted to kind of explore fantasy but set in a different culture with different types of mythology stuff like that I didn't trust Vera from the start, but I did have a question. Is Vera inherently a bad person or is she a mother who was warped in the grief of her son? I think she probably is a bit of both. I think what's always the villains that I am always more interested in are not just the villains who wake up and decide to be evil. It's the people who have, for whatever reason, something has happened and they slowly kind of fall into into evil I guess so definitely the choices that she makes are bad choices because she is she is the antagonist but we can almost understand how she's reached that point we can almost understand that maybe she wasn't quite so bad to begin with she obviously loses her son and then slowly it's kind of a slippery slope and as the book unfolds she's willing to take more risks and kind of push herself to extremes it's kind of she has no limits in that sense. And that's what really makes her quite an interesting villain. And some, she was very interesting to write. I think it's quite sad that she probably did have quite good intentions. The extreme violence and kind of political beliefs of, of her aside, 
she wants equality for her people, which is a good thing. But you see something in her, and actually this is true in sort of people all throughout history, but she's so willing to sacrifice her own people. It's like, our lives are important, you know, we should repress those who have repressed us and we need revenge, but so many of you can die for the cause. Like, oh well. And especially when she knows there's a chance she could get her son back, that it just seems to go into overdrive, her willing to just make these sacrifices. Yeah, she's definitely got those kind of elements of being reckless and kind of extreme. She has no limits, nothing is off limits when it comes to her child. I think we could see this book ending up with some kind of action movie as well. So who do you think could play Khadija? Um, I mean, I'm a big Bridgerton fan, so I always kind of imagine Simone Ashley would make a good Khadija. I think she mm-hmm. just has that fieriness and that kind of no-nonsense and... She's kind of a bit ballsy and she'll just kind of do whatever she wants. And I think that would probably suit Khadija quite well. That would be good. And it's so beautiful to see that kind of representation in Bridgerton as well. Yeah, definitely. I'm a big Bridgerton fangirl. I'm trying to convince Charlotte to watch it, but she hasn't, <laughs> she hasn't gotten right. on the hype of it yet. Oh, so good. <laughs> Special thanks today to Anissa for taking time out of her day to talk to us. Can you tell us where the book is currently available, where it's coming out soon? Yes, it's available obviously in the UK. Um, All major retailers, Waterstones, WH Smith, Amazon. In the US, it comes out early next year and it'll be obviously titled Rebel of Fire and Flight. Do you have plans for your next book? So there is a Balloon Thief sequel in the works that I can't talk about and say that much but it is it is in the works (laughs) so there's something to look forward to definitely and our final question to you is where can people go to support you find out about upcoming projects and events and I know that you're at the young adult literacy festival Yelk in July I'm also at the north northern YA um lit fest next weekend and I'm also at Hay um 2nd of June so uh, it's really nice that now the pandemic's kind of finished and a lot of these events are opening up and being in person again so I'll I'll be around um but people can find me so it's just Anissa Marufu on Twitter Instagram and on my website we'll put links to your website and your Instagram and everything in the episode description and on our website as well where we will link to the episode so people can stream it and I will meet you in July face to face which will be nice so you can sign my book for me brilliant look forward to it so I'm very very excited about that and we're very excited about the sequel so hopefully you will come back and talk to us about the sequel as well yeah definitely thanks for hanging out with us today and again special thanks to Anissa Marufu Follow us on Instagram at Demythifying the Podcast for more Olympus and book-based content. And if you're liking what you're doing, please rate us and subscribe. Also check out our website at www.demythpod.co.uk. See you again next time and check us out wherever you get your podcasts. I've been Charlotte. She's been Lauren. And today we've been turning pages with Anissa Marufu. <laughs>